What's up, world? It's your boy, Benny Pitts, a.k.a. Lil Daddy, a.k.a. Lil Nasty, a.k.a. the father to your unborn child. <laughs> Happy Saturday, everybody. I know everybody's in the house like, mm, because of the coronavirus. Um, I seen a meme today. I posted a lot of funny memes, but I seen one that really stuck with me. It was like, thank God we're still uh, we're able to be in our house with our loved ones, with refrigerator, with food, uh, your significant other. If you with your girlfriend, you can't stand her kids, you with her. Uh, if you with your side bitch, you might be with her. If you with if you married or significant other, but all jokes aside, we we're in the comfort of our own zone, our own homes, and we're just you know making the best out of it, man. I know I'm making the best out of it. I'm enjoy, kind of enjoying the downtown downtime a little bit. So, mm, that's just where I'm at with it. Um, last episode I talked about my my friend DJ Live, rest in peace, and where we are with it right now. This is episode four. Episode four. I'm gonna talk about. Atlanta's Comedian of the Year. Yes, I won a uh, 2016 Atlanta Comedian of the Year. But prior to that, I had to have you take this journey with me and how I got there was not fucking easy. <laughs> Nothing in life worth having is fucking easy. But um, so uh, I, I uh, touched on me and my brother being CNAs and I had to touch on this quick because I had to jump into the comedy because I'll tell you a whole nother story about boom and it'll just be a whole nother episode. But I'm going to touch on this. Me and my brother CNAs and we took care of this this elderly, I don't want to say white family, Caucasian family, which is one of the biggest blessings of our lives. Um, um, we was taking care of this family's parents. So this is in Alpharetta. I want to say uh, Horseshoe Bend. Horseshoe Bend, one of the nicest neighborhoods in Alpharetta. So I go from living in the hood to having a condo with John. And then let me tell you what happened. I'm going through a depression. So John gets deployed, I think. I want to say Thailand or Africa. No, he went to Africa later. So I want to, I want to say Thailand. I want to say John got the, uh, the play in Thailand. So Greg died. DJ, uh, DJ Live uh, died on a uh, fatal uh, motorcycle accident. John gets deployed. Um, I feel like my life is crashing again. I thought my life was just, oh, my God, I'm doing so good. And just like that, boom, I'm back in the dirt. <laughs> um, John gets deployed. Greg dies in a car accident. Boom, I'm, I'm depressed. I, I was just in a crazy breakup. I just broke up with this girl. Um, um, my life, I'm so depressed. So I get in an argument with the girl I was dating at the time. I'm like, oh, you know, you know what you say in the argument. Fuck you, bitch. Hope you die, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, if she's out there listening right now from the bottom of my heart, I'm in all that shit. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, so I'm in an argument. Um, I'm thinking about Greg. John is gone and uh, the, John is gone and the lease is up with the place and I can't afford to take it by myself. And oh, my God, I'm going through this turmoil. And I'll never forget. I stopped at the gas station. It's, I don't remember what night this was. It's got to be 2014 or something. Yeah, I think it was 2014, January, maybe. Stop at this gas station. I'm like, yo, I'm doing this for Greg. I'm doing this for DJ Live. I go get two OEs while I'm drinking um, Hennessy. I used to drink Hennessy heavy back then. Um, chug two OEs. Why I got some Hennessy? Boop! My ass swerving on in Gwinnett County. And anybody know about Gwinnett County? They do not play. My ass get pulled over and catch a DUI. Um, catch a DUI. There and that was my another defining moment where I'm just like, fuck, where the fuck am I? What the fuck am I doing with my life? What, like, what the fuck? 
I like everything was so good. I remember a Kanye verse. He said, "It's all good." A week ago, it really was. Literally, we're partying, having a good time, and boom, just like that, life has just changed dramatically. So I'm in the cell. I know I need help because I'm like, yo, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. I want to start comedy. Don't really know how to do it. I don't really have no nothing pushing me at the time to, you know, to really push me. Uh, me and my brother were CNAs at the time. Um, and this is a time where, man, I forgot to even tell this part of the story. I started developing and knowing that my brother has a, a drug and alcohol problem, my brother Phil. So I'm like, uh, man, my life is in turmoil, man. I, I don't know what's next. I don't know what I'm going to do next. But um, boom, I'm in the jail cell, man. I'm sitting there. Uh, a guaranteed 48 hours that I had to spend in, in, in jail, in Gwinnett County jail. So I'm sitting in Gwinnett County jail. I'm like, yo, what I'm going to do next? 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 So me and my brother used to take care of uh, this family's parents. So uh, Phil, when I was in jail, I guess he was calling, looking for me, couldn't find me. Finally got out. I called him and like, yo, I just got to jail for a DUI, blah, blah, blah. He was like, yo, I told Kyle, Kyle Drucker, never forget him. Uh, Mr. Drummond, aka <laughs> Mr. Drummond. I, that's a whole nother episode. So he's like, yo, uh, Kyle, well, me and Phil used to take care of Kyle and his wife's parents. So he's like, yo, Kyle wants you to come to the house. He wants to talk to you. I told him you was, uh, I told him you had just got out of jail or whatever for a DUI. And um, uh, he wants to talk to you. I'm like, fuck, why the fuck you giving my business out? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm, I'm yelling at Phil and I'm stressed out. And so I sit down and talk to Kyle. He's a, um, Kyle at this time is a uh, 40-year-old uh, white guy, beautiful family. I'm talking about he has a beautiful wife, two kids. Um, when you see like Amer- what American family is, that they are the definition of that. Lots of love, very loving background, lots of just... Man, um, I'm going to do an episode just to that and just talk about that, um, how they took me and my brother in and that changed my life on how I viewed a lot of things on family life, relationships, and just, you know, kids and a lot of different stuff. So anyway, so boom, I sit down with Mr. Drucker, Mr. Drummond. <laughs> um, and he sits down and he's like, what the fuck do you want to do with your life? What are you doing? He's talking to me like I'm, like he's my dad. I'm like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, who the fuck is you talking to? You know, just that pride. And to, I'll say this to every young man, especially young black men, get you a father figure, get you some mentors, get you some big brothers. You need that, especially if you're talking about being successful and whatever you want to do. You can't do this by yourself. And I just said that to get there. Boom. I have to run through because I know I have to talk about how I started comedy. So this is how I started. Um, Mr. Drucker sits me down. Kyle, an angel from the sky, sits me down and say, what do you want to do with your life, Benny? Your friend just is in the military. Um, he just uh, got deployed. I heard you had a friend just die on a motorcycle. What do you want to do, Benny? And I was like, oh, uh, out of nowhere, I just black. I was like, I want to be a stand-up comedian. And he looked at me. I'll never forget. He, he kind of did a smirk and he laughed. He's like, you are funny looking. <laughs> and I started laughing. And he's like, he always tell me, he's like, I love your laugh. And I don't know. That later on became like a little thing I used to do on stage where I just laugh at my own jokes. But I always laughed at my own jokes. So anyway, he was like, all right, boom. How much you owe for your... Uh, uh, whatever you had to pay the law for your DUI, I forgot the name of restitution or whatever it's called. I owed 10 grand and I had to pay it in six months. I had no idea how I was going to do it. I didn't know how I was going to pay this. I told you I had this big ass car note. It's like 600 bucks a month. Um, I couldn't afford to take the uh, condo lease on by myself. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to move you and your brother into my basement and I want you to chase your dreams. 
I want you to be the best stand-up comedian. Don't worry about paying me no bills or nothing for a whole year. Take care of your... He said, I want you to go to work, come home, work on your craft, and pay your restitution. I was like, oh, shit. I'm talking about an angel sent from God. And that's exactly what happened, man. And (coughs) I think I was running so fast with a force that I didn't even know it was behind me. And um, Kyle Drucker would probably be one of the biggest angels in my life. Uh, here you go, this 40-year-old middle-aged white man just opened up his home. He, I went from living in the hood to living in a condo with John to boom. I'm living in a three-story house on the lake. So we had this joke where I call myself the fun size Fresh Prince. I literally was like the uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I'm living in this nice-ass neighborhood. Um three stories on the fucking lake and boom, my comedy career started right from there. So I'm looking around, I'm looking up open mics in Atlanta. Uh, I forget all the places we used to work out. Um, I want to say it was Cat's Cafe. Uh, dang, it was a place across from Cat's Cafe. I can't remember it. I ended up hosting like uh, an open mic or something over there. Um, the basement, a bunch of different places where what comedians would do when they work out. So I'm, I'm Googling how to be a comedian and reading all these things on order. And I'm literally in a basement. Me and my brother would used to sit down and watch Jimmy Kimmel Live and all the stand-ups and everything. So I used to work on my little shit before like, I, I step out to the world. Um, boom. I just hit the ground running. I'll never forget once I start hitting the scene uh, at Cat's Cafe every Tuesday. I think they still do that in Atlanta uh, to this day. It was the biggest open mic. Carlos Miller was the host. And everybody else or somebody used to come out. T.I. used to come out there. Chris Tucker, Cat Williams, and every comedian in Atlanta. If you didn't see, it was like a, it was almost like, it was almost like a comedy church. Cat's Cafe on a Tuesday. So uh, one thing about me, about I've always been like a, uh, innovator in our own sense. Uh, I have no Napoleon complex to a sense. I always like to be in charge. I always like to be in on. And what I used to notice at the first couple of times where you're going out there and you want to get on stage, there's a list of 40 comedians. So what Carlos Miller would do if K-Dub walks in the door, which everybody in Atlanta, they, you know, K-Dub is a superstar. Uh, Tyler Chronicles at the time was becoming a superstar. Ronnie Jordan was a superstar and Rodney Perry and the list goes on, man. And so as a young comic, you were just happy to be, be, be there. You're just happy to be in the mix. You're just happy to be involved. So everybody's outside and everybody's joning and everybody's in, you, you meet all these different people. And it was, it was a culture. Uh, Atlanta, anybody that came up in Atlanta comedy, Atlanta comedy is a culture. It's, it's like a church almost. And now Mari Sims used to uh, put all them shows together. He had Taboo 2 and a bunch of shows. Mari Sims probably at this time had four or five rooms, comedy rooms, he used to put together. So, boom, there we are. I'm hitting the scene. I'm getting a little known in the scene. But I'm getting, the, getting known in the scene as the annoying little bastard. Like, I have no jokes. I have no material. I have nothing. But I'm coming through. We always talk shit. We always ranked on each other growing up. I mean, my brother and sister. So I'm literally walking up to comedians as well known. Like, comedians just like, yo, your shirt ain't shit. Blah, blah, blah. Just talking cash money shit. And they're like, who the fuck is this dude? And that's the worst thing you could do, especially in Atlanta. You talk all this shit. You talk all this shit. You talk all this shit. Then you get on stage and die. And that was me. That was me for a long time. So I didn't know how to structure a joke. 
I really didn't know how to write like that. I really, I thought, I'm like, damn, I have this banging personality. This would carry me on stage. Didn't know. So I'm bombing. When I tell you I'm bombing, bombing, getting booed, everything. But um, even through that, I, I guess what impressed people about me, I used to bomb, get booed, and get off stage and try to holler at some girls. Like, yo, what's up? And the girl's like, you didn't just notice you got booed? And I'm like, yeah. It never, it never broke my character because I was just... I was just so happy to be doing it, if that makes sense. Coming from my, where I come from, my background, I'm like, man, I'm not even supposed to be doing hair. I'm just, I'm just happy to be able to grab the mic. So in that being seen, I, I have to give a shout out to, uh, there's three people that I really, three comedians that I really, probably four. I, and, and, and if I forget somebody's name, I'm sorry. There's so much shit that goes to, going on in my mind. But if I have to give first, I have to give props and a thank you to Sweet Baby Kita. She is a comedian from South Carolina. She moved to Atlanta. One of the funniest female comedians ever that I've ever seen. Seriously, I don't care if you... You know, a lot of times we just say the comedians that are famous or are, are big. Uh, so Sweet Baby Kita seen something in me when nobody else did. I was bombing and everybody's talking. And I start getting like a name, a rep for myself, which I didn't even know. I didn't even know, like, comedy is a fucking fraternity, and you don't know. You get haze and this and this and that. So that's just my way of fighting back. I've never been to public school. So in a way, comedy was kind of like my introduction to public school. You had the popular kids. You had the real, real popular kids, not so popular, the, the freshmen of this. And I'm just, I just, when I tell you, I just ran, jumped into it. So, into it. so Sweet Baby Kita um, sees me bombing time at the time. I think I went to Taboo to... And had a mediocre set at best. Maybe at that. I had a, ch- a couple of chuckles. And that was the best she's seen me. I'm at this time maybe doing comedy a year. Uh, one year or whatever. And um, she's like, yo, you got potential. I'm like, where? She, uh, Kia is like, what, six, maybe five, six years in. So she's well-known, well-respected. She's like, yo, you got potential. And I'm like, oh, thanks. She's like, yo, I got this show with Shula King. Shula King, which international superstar right now. Uh, and I don't know, West Bumblefuck, Georgia, somewhere so crazy. She's like, well, you take it. And at this time, as a young comedian, most young comedians take anything. We take anything. We'll do a show. We'll go on the road for free. We'll do anything for free. We'll go there. It's not at that time you're doing it trying to get your chops. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah, I'm just excited. I'm excited. So I run home, tell my pops, Cal, uh, Mr. Drummond, yo, I got my first show. I'm on the road. I'm on the road. He's like, yo, that's what's up. That's what's up. No, not even a year. I think I'm like a couple of months in. Maybe a couple of months in. Maybe six, seven, maybe something like that. I'm like, yo, I got my first show. I'm on the road. So we go on the road. Uh, Shula's the headliner. Shula King is the headliner. Sweet Baby Kida is uh, the host. She hosts the show, does an amazing job. Um, I go in there and do seven minutes. It's maybe 20 people in an old country town. All the chicks, all the chicks had like five kids a piece or whatever like that. Anyway, so long story short, I do seven minutes. It, it was mediocre, but in my mind, I'm killing it. You know what I'm saying? Cause I got a lot of laughs. So, so you go from bombing to getting a whole bunch of laughs. You're like, okay, boom, I'm killing it. And I wasn't really killing it. Shula at Ben and Shula can say this, um, I've always told Shula, when the first time I said him, Shula had something, I don't know, uh, they say it's the it factor, and I saw that in Shula. 
But when Shula got up, he headlined the show. I was like, oh, this nigga going to be somebody. Shula is a stand-up comedian. That's exactly who he is. He is that through and through from his eyes, the way he looked, the way he pronounces words, to just when he explodes on stage. And um, shout out to Shula to, and all the amazing things. And congrats to all the success you got going on. But we been knew that was going to happen. Everybody will. If you do this long enough, everybody will have their time. That's what I strongly believe. Boom, we on the road with Keita. So we come back and word gets around. Atlanta is such a small town. Word gets around. Sweet baby Keita is taking Benny Pitts on tour. <laughs> so Keita was like, yo, Keita got in a liking for me. Uh, despite contrary to popular belief, I'm a very likable person. Um, <laughs> I'm either liked a lot or I'm hated. It's just, it's no in between. So me and Keita became friends. Keita used to call me and was like, yo, I got a show in South Carolina. I'm like, okay, cool. We go to South Carolina. She got, I got a show in Augusta. We go to Augusta. And now I was like Keita's sidekick. Um, I'm Keita's sidekick. I'm learning to develop a set now. Now Keita is not doing comedy rooms. We're doing chitlin circuits where people are talking. We're going to little... Uh, like biker clubs and people are just raw, so rowdy and this and this and that. And um, I, I really, de- that's where I developed my crowd work. This is where my crowd work came from. Anybody that knows me, I love crowd work. I, I will literally get up and not do no material and literally talk to the crowd. And it started from this. It started from Keita taking me to hole in the wall spots where nobody's paying attention to comedy. I have a very loud voice. I'm a short dude. So I had to come. I had to attack the crowd before they attacked me. That was just how I started. My life. Sometimes Now, because I, I, I did it so long in Atlanta and, and I, I played the chitlin circuit a lot of times with different various comedians that I opened up for was always a blessing. But Keita showed me, Keita was like, you have to, you're the most powerful person because you hold the mic. Because I used to go up there and be timid and the people were like, what you about to say, little fuck nigga, little fuck nigga, what you about? And I used to get scared and Keita used to be like, um, no. You got the mic. I don't give a fuck if you three feet tall. You got the fucking mic. You grow some balls and you talk some shit. And anybody that know me. So she said the same shit you be talking outside of cats. You need to talk that shit right now. I'm like, okay. Boom. Out of nowhere. One thing about me, I am a very fast learner. I do it. We in Augusta, I do it. Boom. We in Tennessee, I do it. We're playing all the chitlin circuits. Chitlin circuits is a blessing because the chitlin circuits will get you and get you so right and get your skin so tough. You can almost take, you can almost take anything. So boom, we playing the chitlin circuits. Boom, I'm getting that. Boom. I'm like a year and some changing and Benny is developing. I don't have a set yet, but I know how to hold myself on stage. I don't have a full, full set. I got like five, I got like five minutes in some crowd work. Um. Thank you, Keita. If I never told you, thank you for being the first comedian to ever take a chance on me. And uh, it's greatly appreciated. And I love you, girl. I don't know where you at right now. I know you in Atlanta. I know you killing stages. And I hope you get your just due because you're one of the funniest. I don't want to say female comedians. You're one of the funniest comedians I ever know. Boom. Thank Keita. Next column I have to bring to is my mentor, my big brother. And one probably one of the best hearted people, not just to say in comedy, but that I know, Rodney Perry. Um, so at this time, I'm like a year and a half in. Um, my restitution was done in six months. I'm stretching it out because my uh, my pops, Kyle Drucker, 
told me, you know, pay it off. So I'm calling the people for the DUI. And I was like, well, it's supposed, you're supposed to pay it off in six months, but we'll give you a year. So I'm like, okay. So I'm cutting my, if I'm paying $300 a month because I'm on the road and I'm traveling, I'm out every night, I'm drinking, I'm trying to impress girls. I'm cutting my payments from $300 to $150. <laughs> so I'm going back lying to my pops. I know he's going to kill me. I said, lying to him. And he's like, yo, did you it's six months. Did you pay that off? I'm like, oh, they added some more fees. They added some more fees. So what cost me was supposed to run me six months to pay off the 10 grand. It probably ran me almost 18 months. They just kept giving me extensions. But my pops didn't know that. I just kept, you know, at the time, the reason I was lying to him or, or to not tell him the truth is because I was doing comedy. One thing about doing comedy, I'm not getting paid. I'm just starting off. And I'm spending money. I'm spending money on outfits. I'm spending money on liquor. I'm spending money on food. I'm trying to get on the road. A lot of times when you first start off, you have to go. If they say come get somewhere, you have to spend your own money to get there. So he's seen me moving and making strides, but he's like, okay, are you handling your business? So that's a different subject, different time. Back to Rodney Perry. Boom. Um, Rodney Perry has this class called Never Deny. He's hearing all this shit about Benny Pitts. I'm kind of boiling in the city right now. Uh, I'm making a name for myself. I'm a year and a half in. I'm moving fast, though, because I have people like Kita that sees an eye in me. I have people like Rodney Perry. Rodney Perry's not even known. He's very well known in Atlanta, L.A., but he's very well known in around the comedy community, period. Everybody that knows Rodney Perry loves him. So when he gets an eye on you and starts saying, I like Vinny, I was very unliked. And people can kind of say, oh, no, this and then niggas didn't like me. And that's cool. And I, and I know why. Um, I was very loud. My office was very arrogant. I talked a lot of shit. And I really was just didn't know how to get in. I didn't know. I'd never been in a fraternity before. Fraternity, people haze you. I didn't know that. Never been in a fraternity. So they start talking shit to me. I'm popping. I'm just this short, loud ass nigga popping the fuck off at people. So, boom, Rodney Perry gets a liking to me. Uh, shout out to my girl, Madeline, which is his manager, was like, I like Benny Pitts. Uh, I want you to come do this class. This class Rodney Perry has is $200. You need to come do this class. And so um, I'm like, at this time, I don't even have the $200 because I'm paying my restitution. I'm running around with Kita. She was like, and I, she said, don't tell nobody, Benny. And I didn't tell her I didn't have the money at the time. She said, listen, I see something in you. I want you to take Rodney Perry class. Boom, we take Rodney Perry class. It's uh, Alicia Coley. I just met Alicia Coley for the first time. Um, it's Sanchez Blackman. There's uh, Jay Dukes, my man Jay Dukes. I think he's a fraternity guy. Uh, very, very funny. Um, and uh, a whole lot of other people. If I'm not naming you, I'm sorry. Just so many people was in that class. It was a dope class. Where Never Deny was an improv class where it was kind of like, okay, y'all remember that... Um, I remember that TV show with uh, uh, Wayne Brady, who line is it anyway? So you're just doing that. Um, you're just doing that. You're, you're, it's an improv class. So it's like, who, whose line is it anyway on steroids? So Rodney will, Rodney Perry will, I don't know, he will spend time with you. The class was like two hours and um, it really would turn into four hours because uh, Rodney would just individually spend time with each of us and um, at this time, I'm a teacher's pet because it was, it was about Benny. Everything was about Benny, Benny, Benny. Everything was gratitude to, to like Benny. Oh, shout out. This was Christy, the Christy show. Uh, this is before she blew up. She was a quiet, shy little girl that didn't say nothing. 
the Christie show, the one uh, I think Tyler Perry picked her up or somebody. She does skits and stuff. She was part of that class too. Yo, so many dope people was part of this class. It was, it was like a, it was a fraternity, and that's what comedy was, man. Uh, comedy is a fraternity. Uh, so so many dope people. Me and Christie is getting a lot of attention. Uh, me and Christie is getting, out, and I'm not saying nothing that towards anybody. I just I, I think Rodney just had the eye of he knew who was gonna be who or whatnot. So. Um, man, so we're in the class and, uh, man, we just, we, we, so you go to the class and you're doing an improv class to have this big show. You sell tickets and everybody come see you in the improv class. So I'm going back to my dad and, uh, I'm telling him, yo, yo, I'm about to, I'm, I'm in this improv class. You're about to finally see my comedic skills, this and this and that. And he's excited. And, and yo, we do it through this class and I just never forget the routines. And I never forget, I used to, I used to carry my comedy as self-deprecation, like kind of like how Kevin Hart is in a sense. Uh, I, I, I tried to be like Kevin. Everything I tried to do was Kevin, 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 Kevin. And this, I think this was separated from me from trying to be like Kevin and just discovering Benny Pitts. And I, I owed this to Rodney Perry. And he's like, yo, Benny, self-deprecation is cool. I get it. You're trying to be like Kevin Hart. But he said, I will tell you this, be a boss, be that short nigga, be in a sense, kind of be, be cat mixed with Kevin Hart. And he said, there's a, there's a thin line between Kevin and cat. Kevin is the family man. Cat is the pimp. He said, who is Benny Pitts? Find out who Benny Pitts is. And this was my, I said, I'm a rock star. And anybody that know me to this day, I am a motherfucking rock star. <laughs> That's just who I am. So and he said, what? He, I guess he didn't see it at the time. I was like, I'm, I'm a rock star. He said, yeah, whatever. And he probably don't even remember I said that. But that's what I told him. I'll never forget he told me. When he gave me that advice, when I tell you it was like something came over me and like, like all my insecurities didn't matter no more. Me being short, me being, you know, I, I was quiet growing up. I was shy. And it didn't matter no more because I'm like, yo, I'm a rock star. And I'll never forget we had the big show. My pops came out. Um, amazing show. This is my favorite Never Deny show. We rocked the house. It was at, uh, it was at, uh, Uptown. The first one was at Uptown and we rocked the house. And I'll never forget everybody rapped like everybody with freestyle, like wilding out style. And I, I had the confidence and he was like, he did a speech. Rodney Perry did a speech and I was like, yo, this is my man, Benny Pitts. He's going to do some big things in the comedy world. Blah, 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 blah. I, I'm putting my stamp on him. And all the comedians, that's a comedian's like, what? Benny? Who the fuck is Benny? So um, Rodney Perry put a stamp on me and then boom, I freestyled. And I was like, yo, I don't need no motherfucking beat. I'm Benny Pitts and boom, boom. I think from there, Little Nasty was born. Little Nasty is my uh, alter ego. I always wanted to be a rapper. Uh, my back then, my name was B Money. I think later on in life, I changed it on to being Little Nasty. That's that's another episode in and of itself. So boom, once I dropped that freestyle, the whole place went crazy. From there is where I got my confidence. And Rodney Perry don't even know it. Boom, from there, you can't tell me nothing. I'm right there. I am a stand-up comedian because for one, I know who I am. I know what makes me tick. I know I'm funny. Even if I have a bad show, even to this day, I know I'm funny. And that moment, it's kind of like that high. I don't, people that get high, they chase a high. And they say, you'll be chasing that high your whole life. You'll be chasing that high your whole life. And to me, that moment was, okay, boom, I'm a stand-up comedian. So that was that was it. That was it. So boom, I'm, I'm, I'm almost at 30 minutes. So uh, I didn't even tell uh, how one uh, Atlanta's community gets. So 
Confident levels through the roof. Um, confident levels through the roof. I'm doing shows now. Now it's not, oh, Kida is taking Benny places. Um, uh, Benny is holding his own now. Like, now I'm becoming my own. And this when all the radio shit start happening. I'm hosting everything in the city. There wasn't one flyer that went up down there in Atlanta where you didn't see Benny, Pitt, Benny Pitts as the host. So I know I'm a comedian. I know I'm funny. But I developed a hosting skill. So a lot of comedians in Atlanta... Um, used to say, oh, Benny don't work on material. Benny don't work out. So my thing was I was hustling to get to the radio. So I, I knew I used to look around in the city. And I used to see guys hosting parties, hosting this. Hosting. I was like, how do you do that to get to the radio? And I was like, yeah, become an MC. So I was like, oh. So I can always still do comedy. But being an MC would land me on the radio. I said, okay, bet. So I start hosting everything from rappers, mixtapes to Oh my God, I'm hosting everything. Then by hosting everything, I would say funny shit on the mic. I would just uh, say a bunch of funny shit on the mic. People would be like, yo, can you be in my music video? I'm like, yeah, can you be in my music video? So I'm on every local artist music video. I'm, I'm just that short, funny. Like it got to a point where I was just like the go-to guy to do music videos uh, for everybody. So I'm doing everybody music videos. I'm hosting everything, but I'm kind of getting a little backlash because they're like, Oh, Benny not working on his set. But man, just to anybody, your goals ain't everybody's goals. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, like the people I came up with, shout out to Marlon Ballard, you know, B Tuck, Spencer Neal. They was working on their sets. I was hosting everything. So we was, we was working and we was all working, but I was working on something different. They was working a lot. Now them, they're probably on tour right now featuring. Me, I was touring, but I was hosting. I was hosting Mama D tour and I was hosting for, for uh, Steve Brown and I, I became like the MC. And at this time, boom, I'm the MC everything. I have four rooms in Atlanta. Every comedian know about a room. A room is, I got an open mic room. I got a, <clears throat> I got a room for like poetry. Boom, and I got a room, a rap room for all the artists, open mic for the artists. And boom, I got another room where, you know, I just get back to, to the comedians. You know what I'm saying? It was like I do shows where, it's, you know, it's a little budget. You take the budget, you pay out the comedians. I got four rooms going on at one time. So all this time, I don't even know that I'm working. You're, and when you're in it, you don't see it. My name is being thrown everywhere, everywhere. Benny's getting more popular and popular and popular and popular. And I'm becoming a local superstar, almost local, local. So I'm getting more arrogant, you know what I'm saying? I'm getting more, you know, you start feeling yourself a little bit. And um, boom, it's, here it goes. Now, during all this time, I'm still paying my restitution, you know what I'm saying, for my DUI. Um, Pops is like, damn, like, Danny, you coming home three, four o'clock in the morning, you leave, you know what I'm saying? It's noisy. You, go, you know, times we, you know, I might have had a chick come back to the house or what, you know what I mean? And, you know, it's a lot where... I'm out there so much. I'm kind of fucking up my home life. It's not really a home life, but, you know, Pops is kind of like, yo, you don't have no money. You out every night. What the fuck is you doing? But he don't get he don't he didn't understand the grind till later. So, boom, my job at this time. And this is another episode. I was taking care of this paraplegic guy named Calvin Gunter. Calvin was hit by a tractor trailer, I think, in 1998. Calvin couldn't move. Calvin couldn't speak. Calvin was hooked up to a catheter. Uh, and the only way we, me and him could 
communicate with each other was a board. He used to he used to take his finger and put his hand on the letters for us to communicate. So that was a whole nother. This is a whole nother episode where I, I'll have to explain that. So basically the movie, what is that movie where Kevin Hart played that guy? Well, he was taking care of that guy. I really lived that in real life. Um, I forget the name of the movie, but I really lived that for real life. So this whole time, why from 2013 to like 2016, 2016, 2016, I think I lost my job 2016. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm taking care of Calvin. So it switches from, you know, Phil, my brother is taking care of Kyle's and parents. I'm helping out with that a little bit. But my day job is me taking care of Calvin. So I'm coming in late every day to work. Every day, if I'm supposed to be there at 8.30, I'm rolling up there at 9.30, 10 o'clock. And Calvin is telling the people through the board, Benny is late. But Calvin family liked me so much, they never fired. They never, and that was a blessing. And I'm like, how the fuck you snitching on me? How the fuck you snitching on me if you can't speak? So me and Calvin built a bond. Um, Calvin didn't, haven't seen or heard or talked to anybody since his accident. Uh, I put Calvin on social media. I made Calvin a Twitter I made Calvin a LinkedIn. I made Calvin a Facebook. Every Saturday, I used to take Calvin to the movies. He had one of those cars where the wheelchairs used to go in and <clears throat> where you could take the wheelchair, like one of those accessibility uh, wheelchairs where you could take the wheelchair. And I think this was probably my blessing from God. He's like, okay, Benny's doing a good deed. Let me throw you a little something. <laughs> so, man, I took care of Calvin. Me and Calvin to this day are friends. He'll hit me up on Facebook. Yo, what's up, Benny? And, um... Calvin didn't have a life before that, and I will never f- forget the people inside the nursing home was like, you're his angel. And me and Calvin, had, we, had a, we had a home own little handshake, and we used to talk to each other a certain way. And I used to go sneak to the gas station and pour beer into his, Calvin couldn't eat or drink, so I used to pour beer in his tube so he can, like, get a high. He used to get fucking drunk all the time, and me and Calvin was, that was my homie. Calvin was my homie. Every time he used to leave work, he'd be like, I love you, man on a board and I just be like, yo, I love you too. It, it showed me a different side of myself. Uh, just, you know, it was humbling. So boom, at that time, I'm doing that. I'm late for work and I start skipping days. I start touring a little bit. So I'm missing days at work. And boom, one day I walk into work and it was like, yo, the Gunters, Calvin Gunter, Gunter was his last name. He said, the Gunters are complaining that uh, you're missing too many days at work. And I was like, well, you, <clears throat> I'm, I'm trying to be a stand-up comedian. And it's just that it was like, Benny, go for it. Go for it. If you're going to be a stand-up comedian, go for it. We don't want to hold you back. And I'm like, but I need money. I'm not getting paid nothing right now. And um, this was the biggest blessing. But I'll say this to the comedians. To all the comedians, people be like, oh, quit your job. Do it nonstop. Get, be about your money. <laughs> be about your money. Now, at this time where I'm doing comedy, I'm three years, maybe three years in. I don't know. People used to always say, don't quit your day job until that. To every comedian right now or anybody doing anything, put your finances and money first. So, boom, they let me go. They let me go. I don't know how I'm going to tell my pops that I just got fired from my job. Um, I don't know. I, I get back to the house, tripping a little bit. I'm like, God damn, I just lost my job. I never forget. So I'm sitting in the basement. I'm just looking out because uh, we had like a, we on a lake. It was like a lake back there. And I'm just looking like, what the fuck? I don't want my, I'm like, what am I going to do for money? I swear to God, my phone started ringing at this time. 
look at my phone. It's a 205 number. And prior to this, doing all this touring, uh, I said Sanchez Blackman had took me to the Stardome in Birmingham. She was supposed to perform, but end up not performing. But she introduced me to the girl that books the shows. So I just wrote my name down for a competition or whatever. And um, boom, um, wrote my name down or whatever. And um, I'll never forget. That's all 205 number. So I'm like, it's Birmingham. Pick up the phone. She's like, hey, Benny, this is this. I can't, can't remember her name for the life of me. So this is this and this and that from um, Stardome. I was letting you know we have a comedy competition. It pays $500 if you win. I think second place pays uh, $250. And um, I just want to see you. Matter of fact, it's tomorrow. Can you make it tomorrow? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I can make it tomorrow. <laughs> so at this time, it was me, TJ, my boy TJ. He's doing comedy. He's crazy. He does crazy skits. And his uh, parodies on Instagram is hilarious. Shout out to my man TJ. And Spot OG. Spot OG was like six months a year doing comedy at the time. Spot OG, it was like the Black Forest Gump. So <clears throat> long story short, uh, damn. Uh, I'm about to cut this short. Long story short, the day I get fired, Birmingham calls me and says to be in this competition. So we go in this competition, we drive down there. I think B Tuck was part of the competition, a bunch of comedy. So I remember signing up at the Stardome, signing up at the Stardome. Uh, uh, I walked in, the girl that called me was like, yeah, do you want to be the first one or do you want to be the last? And I was like, I'm already stressed out. What I got in my pocket is literally what I got in my pocket. I probably had maybe, I want to say I want I had $75 to my name. No, no, no. I didn't even have $75. On our way there, I blew out a tire. And me and TJ had to put, me, TJ, and uh, Spot OG had to put the tire back on. So I literally spent, what, $25 on a used tire. So I'm at $50. <laughs> and I was like, fuck it. Um, man, I got $50. What I got to lose? Um, fuck it, put me last. I'm just gonna go in the back and get drunk. So I go in the back, drinking, kicking it. I remember we said a prayer right before uh, the show, and I told everybody. I told Spot OG, I told TJ, and I told um, <clears throat> I told Spot OG, TJ. Oh, B Tuck. B Tuck is still sour to this day because he swear he beat me, which he didn't. Um, I said, uh, yeah, yeah. I said, yo, when I win this competition, I'm gonna take everybody out to eat. I'm just talking shit because that's all I ever did. I was just talking shit. So, boom. First comedian goes. Second comedian goes. Right. Anybody know anything about comp- uh, competition? It is a fucking marathon. So, competition. Uh, nigga, so I was down to like the last three. B-Tuck goes up there. Explodes. B-Tuck killed it. I'm not taking that off. B-Tuck kills it. Or somebody else. Or somebody from Birmingham. He kills it. I literally went out there. I think I used just... The energy of what I was going through, man, I went out there and had a monster set. So I'm sitting there, I'm not thinking nothing of it. Um, did a couple of competitions, but didn't even know. I'm sitting out there, and they calling the names. They said, third place, this and that. I think third place is like $150, $150. It was like, second place, this and that, $250. And they said, and last but not least, first place goes to, to the best of Birmingham, Benny Pitts, the, the crowd goes, I'm talking about it was a packed house. So in Birmingham, the comedy clubs, like on Monday and Tuesday, will look like the weekends because in Birmingham, there's nothing else to do. Everybody goes to the comedy club. So, man, I'm talking about a 500-seater, maybe 300 people was there, all stand up, and I've never experienced nothing like this. I'm like, oh, oh my God. 
this shit is real. She put that $500 in my hand and I was like, okay, I was a comedian before, but now I'm a comedian, comedian. And from there landed me, I uh, got back and then my name is buzzing. People here, I'm best of Birmingham. Uh, t- um, Ricky Smiley had gave me an episode on one of his TV shows on TV one. So I'm a local celebrity now. I'm feeling myself. Boom, the radio gig now to this one. Uh, the night show came around. The night show come around. So I'm doing late night radio with uh, early morning radio from 2 to 6. Me, John Marshall, Courtney Janelle. I'm best of Birmingham. I'm hosting the biggest open mic in uh, Atlanta for artists. So it was, it was this open mic called Maximum Exposure. Shout out to Fetty G and TJ making moves. I have to do a whole nother episode with TJ and Fetty. Because at the same time, I'm club promoting at the time. I'm doing everything. So that's why I say being comedian of the year, I don't think came from being the best joke teller. I think my personality and who I was opened up doors for me. I was just I was just that cousin or friend or homeboy that everybody wanted to be around. All the rappers, I used to walk around, go to like mixtape parties, and I used to wear the rappers' t-shirts and throw on their their gear. And, and I used to be rappers' hype men. And I, I wasn't too big or I don't know, too great where I couldn't do anything. I said, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll do radio. I'll do this. I'll do that. So I'm not saying other people wouldn't do it, but I'm talking about me and what I did. So <clears throat> boom, all this stuff is circulating. Um, my, I'm going places. They start giving me calls. Of, hey, can you host a mama detour? I'm on late night radio. I'm starting making a little money. So my pops don't even know. I don't, I'm not even working a day job right now. So I'm living off of my hosting. I got four different rooms going on at one time. Um, I'm, I'm doing tour dates with like, uh, with, uh, Steve Brown was coming along Atlanta comedy theater. I'm gonna do a whole segment on Atlanta comedy theater legends. It was a club called Legends. It became Atlanta Comedy Theater. And that's how me and Steve Brown got together. And that's two, three years where I was on the road with Steve Brown. But that's a whole nother episode. All this stuff is going on. So the ATL, first year of ATL Hip Hop Awards comes around. Hosted by Bigger Rankin. Anybody that know anything about mixtapes or hip hop, Bigger Rankin is one of the biggest names in there. Bigger Rankin is hosting. I get a personal invite. Me, Little Zane, uh, Dream. Dream is our, our promoter out there in Atlanta. Shout out my boy Dream. Um, me, Lil Zane. Me, Lil Zane was getting building relationship back then because Lil Zane was trying to redo his career. And he was like, I was on a come up and he was kind of like trying to stagnant in his career. So we kept bumping into each other and we was like the same height. So we just, we actually became like friends, man. We became like really good friends. And um, so they invite uh, me, Dream, um, Lil Zane. And they, I was nominated as Comedian of the Year. And I'm like, oh, shit. So, um, boom. We sitting there. And I'll never forget Bigger Ranking. It was like, the nominees is this. The nominees is that. I don't even know who. And he said, and the winner of Comedian of the Year in the ATL is Benny Pitts. And the place went crazy. It was a packed out place. And I'll never forget. I won the award. And uh, Fetty G was there. He recorded it. And uh, Dream was there. And Zane, and Zane dapped me up. And Zane was like, damn, bro. Like, your time coming, man. Your time is definitely coming. And from that right there, I was stamped in Atlanta three years in doing comedy. Probably three, three and a half years. I'm comedian of the year. Best of Birmingham. I'm on the radio. Tour dates is coming. I'm a stand-up comedian right now. That's, that's, I'm stamped. I am a stand-up comedian. I went way longer than what I thought I was going to do. But uh, this is episode four. 
Um, <laughs> Atlanta's Comedian of the Year. Thank y'all for listening. This is a long listen, but if you listen from start to finish, it's definitely some dope stories, some stuff to get to know about me. And uh, I'm enjoying the podcast. This is episode four. And remember this, black don't crack unless you smoke crack. I'm Benny Pitts. I'm out.